Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I'm James Adams. He is Skeeter Robinson. This is the first or last, depending on when you're listening to it, edition of the Fantastics My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast. Uh, Skeeter, we're getting ready for the Century Tournament of Champions, which will take place in 2020. We're recording in the final days of 2019. So happy new year to you, my friend, and everyone listening. And uh, it's a new year in golf for us as we get started with this very small field for the Tournament of Champions. Yes, uh, happy new year to everybody. And yeah, this is so weird. You know, January 2nd feels like such an early start for this. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. So, and by the way, apologies to everybody. I really tried to convince James to record this New Year's Eve while he might have had a few beverages, but he just declined. So <laughs> we have to record this on the 30th. So I tried, it guys. Wasn't for lack of, uh, it wasn't for lack of having a little golf party, Skeeter, but I just thought we needed to get this content out there before Tuesday evening. No, no I think it's completely fair, but, you know, I still think it would be the best podcast we ever do. Uh, you with a couple of drinks in you, I might be loosened up, and I would just, you know, sit back and uh, watch you rant on me more and more about not never seeing Star Wars. And you'd be curious why I was adamant that Eddie Pepperell was the best player in the field when he wasn't I in I would it. not be curious on that one. I would applaud that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, looking forward to the next season of golf, and um, I really like this opening swing where we get the Hawaii then West Coast because – well, it's wintertime, my summer job's shut down, and mm-hmm. I don't get up real early, but by goodness, when I get up, golf won't have started yet in Hawaii, so I'll still be able to pretty much be a lazy winter guy and still watch golf into the evening, which I really get a kick out of that, especially, you know, it's super cold and nasty here in the Midwest where we're both at, and, you know, to get to see some beautiful golf, hopefully it's not like crazy windy, which I think we saw several years ago, but uh, to get to see beautiful conditions when it's while mild in the Midwest for us, it's still winter, and, you know, it's beautiful there. Right, and, and I know you and I talked about during the President's Cup how nice it was to be able to watch golf, you know, that, at nighttime, and, watch, you know, everything was done basically, I think, by midnight a lot, it or was, some of the days. Like, that was it was great. awesome, yes. dude. It was terrific. So, same thing here in Hawaii. They're not going to start, I think, until, like, probably 1, 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon for us where we're at, and being able to watch, you know, Thursday night, Friday night, maybe not Saturday night, you know, we're flipping between that and football, and even Sunday night once the um, football games are done, be able to catch the final nine holes and see if Alexander Shoffley can go on a complete and utter tear like he did last year. I think he shot like mm-hmm. 61 or 62 to, to catch Gary Woodland and beat him, and it was like Woodland did nothing wrong, but Xander just caught fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was crazy good last year, and uh, it'll be uh, interesting to see if he defends the championship as – um, well, not a huge field to defend it against, but uh, obviously the course suited him well. He obviously played amazing, too, down the stretch last year. But uh, let's talk about the course a little bit before we get into the field. Uh, out of Kapalua in Maui, it's a par 73 that's 7,400 yards. So interesting. Not, um, I mean, we've seen some par 72s that were 7,500 yards. Uh, those were major courses. But still, we've seen some large, longer courses with – uh, one less stroke. So what do you make of this course? Yeah, so it's, it is a par 73, but it, there's still only four par fives. The difference is there's only three par threes. Um, when you watch this course, besides the fact that the beautiful views of Hawaii, especially when you see the mountains and the ocean, I mean, they're just terrific. You will notice that it is a very hilly course. So like the first hole is 524 yards as a par four, but I believe it plays extremely downhill. 
Whereas you're, you're going to see like a, there's a par 5 that's 510 yards, even a par 5 that's 497. So sometimes some of that is just because of the elevation changes. Um, you might see some people make a big deal about the elevation as a long walk and such. Um, Stephen Bowditch, who is a uh, PGA, former PGA Tour pro, um, I think he's still trying to come back, trying to get back on. He'd hit some, some struggles as far as making cuts and some personal issues. I saw him comment something last night saying, you know, look, this is not that big of a deal with the elevation changes. Don't worry about that. I think the biggest thing to factor in here is potentially that this is one of like three or four courses that they have all year where you might not see many flat lies because it is so hilly. A lot of side hills, little lies like that. And the two courses I can think of that, you know, have a similar type of, of format, one is Augusta, the Masters, like, Good luck there trying to find a flat lie. And well, I know I know it's early in the podcast, but if you're listening to this on New Year's Eve or whatever, you might as well start your drinking now because um, the John Deere Classic is the the other course where there is not much flat uh, ground there. So maybe if you know you want to take a look at how the how those two courses correlate, um, maybe it'll be something I mentioned like Dylan Fratelli who won the John Deere last year. Maybe it's somewhat of a correlation course or just because of that factor, but. Outside of that, um, for me, when I look at some of these past winners, we see uh, Dustin Johnson a couple of times. We see Justin Thomas. We've seen Xander, Patrick Reed. Um, we've seen Gary Woodland play well. You, you know, this kind of makes me think that driving distance is going to play a factor. In fact, I still remember two years ago there was the Dustin Johnson par four that you know 400 some odd yards, but it's playing downhill. It just smokes a driver, lands on a downhill, rolls to about two feet from the hole. Like one of the greatest shots I, I can remember seeing. So I think distance is certainly a huge advantage here just because you can you can drive some of these greens or give yourself a wedge from there on in. But it's not a difficult course. Should be a lot of birdies. A kind of a, kind of a similar format to the fall swing. And I think the toughest thing though here is you know we really haven't seen anybody play since the Presidents Cup or before. So it's been six weeks, eight weeks since most of these guys have played. You know. What form are they in? Are they actually trying to win this? Or is this just basically a glorified paycheck where a nice vacation where they're just going to use this to tune up for the rest of the season? So a lot of variance, I think, as far as knowing where the golfers are at. We're going to get into the field in a second. Before we go player by player or tier by tier, I want to ask, um, I only see one of the four major champions in this field. What's up with that? No Tiger? No uh, – no, um, Oh, I can't think of the Irishman's name now. Uh, Shane, Shane Lowry. Lowry. I kept wanting to say O'Leary for some reason. Maybe uh, I don't even know why. No Brooks Kepka. Um, what's the reasoning behind behind all but Gary Woodland not being here? Well, Brooks, I think, still recovering from his injury. I don't know where he's at on as far as that goes. I don't remember Tiger ever playing here. And Shane Lowry, you know, maybe, I don't know. Like, I, that's, I don't know where they're at. And this is the one thing is I don't know why you would skip this event if you want. I mean, not only is it a free vacation in Hawaii, it's a guaranteed paycheck and free points for both FedEx Cup and even World Golf Rankings. So I'm always surprised at the people who skip this event. Like, I mean, granted, I know it's right after the, after the Christmas, New Year holiday season, but boy, this just, I would never, I personally would never skip this event. Right. Like, where else do you want to bring in the new year? I know those people have wonderful homes and live in beautiful places. And I get what you're saying with Kepka being injured, didn't play in the uh, President's Cup either. But where else would you – I I don't know. I, I'm sure there are other places I'd rather be, 
but it's not like this would be low on the list either, right? Right, like, where's Phil at? Like, this would be perfect for Phil coming off his win at Pebble Beach last year. You know, get some points, make sure that you're safe for the ranking, you know, I mean, rankings for majors. I mean, I think he's I think he gets in most of them top 50, but... I'm you sure know, he just, is, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, even if I was a high-level pro, this is just an event I would never, never skip, just for the, the scenery, the money, the points, and, hey, it's Hawaii, like... How can you go wrong? Well, I'm right there with you. Let's talk about the ones who have chosen to play. And uh, we didn't discuss this beforehand, but with a smaller field, we'll just we'll take a tier by tier still. We have, uh, I think, 34 golfers. That worked for you today. Works for me. All right. Well, let's hit it like we do most times and start in the 10K tier. We got four guys in this tier. It's Rom at 11-4. It's 10K plus, of course. Rahm at 11-4, Justin Thomas 11-2, Xander Shoffley defending champ 10-6, and Dustin Johnson 10-1. So, Skeeter, I'm going to ask you, who is your favorite play in this tier? I mean, I am just, I am I am a sucker for Dustin Johnson, especially when I see him at 10-1. Like, sure. I, I get it. You know, we had we didn't see him much at the end of last year. He did play, but he seemed to play well the President's Cup coming off a little bit of an injury. But when you look at his course history here two wins no finish worse than 10th i mean we've seen him just dominate this course and we know that if this you know he can get into a driving wedge fest i mean it just matter not whether he can make putts so when i'm looking at stats i'm actually looking at stats for the past 12 months because i have no idea with short term long term i just thought you know what, let's just see what people do in the past year uh fourth tita green second distant driving distance eighth in a par five fifth and birdies are better like he hits all the boxes that i want Wish his approach was a little better from last year, but, you know, maybe there's some injury for that. But 10-1 just feels like way too big of a discount on Dustin Johnson. So, for me, he's my favorite play in this tier. I'm with you. I'm a little worried still about the way he looked really in the entire second half. So, my favorite play, and it, it, I agree with you, 10-1 next to Johnson. It's hard to – it's hard not to like. But John Rahm, I know he's expensive, yeah. but in a small field yeah. where it's probably not too difficult to save some money – and still put together a competent lineup. I mean, the guy's just been playing out of his mind. And again, we're dealing with um, uh, some layoffs. So is he still in that form? I don't know. But you look at what he's done recently. I mean, first, sec or second, first, first. Didn't make the cut. Now we're going back in September. But still second, first, tied second. Um, and, and those are going back into the summer in the European Tour. But my goodness. I mean, it is all single-digit finishes besides one cut going back for a while. For me, it's John Rahm at 11-4. And I, I don't follow you. He's my second. I, I mean, if this is straight up, I would take Rahm. I mean, you know, you were worrying about the layoff. You know, he won at the uh, uh, Open de España, took a seven-week break to the uh, World, the Euro Tour final, the DP World Tour Championship Dubai. He won there, so he's won off a layoff before, has a second and an eighth here. He makes all the sense in the world, at, you know, 11-4. And 11-4 is not even that prohibitive of a price, especially mm -hmm. in a no-cut event, but... You know, uh, first in DraftKings points, third birdies are better, second greens in regulation. Certainly nothing wrong for me with Rom. In fact, I mean, this is, I think you can play anybody here. Justin Thomas has had success, and we sure. don't even have success towards the latter half of the uh, fall swing. So, I mean, I mean, I guess if you're making me choose a least favorite, um, it's more of a number four, it's Xander. But, yeah. I mean, I can't fault anybody for playing any of these guys. Yeah, I'm with you. The only reason I would fade, and my secondary play is Thomas, and again, it's because I have a little concern about Johnson, and Thomas is just a stud. 
Um, you know, you don't need to say a whole lot more about Justin Thomas, but let's just, you know, 5th, 17th, 1st. This is going back into October. This is a guy who can win any tournament in any field, so I don't have a problem playing 11-2 for him. Yeah, Xander for me is the fade, and again, I don't have a problem using him, and I'll probably set a handful of lineups, getting excited to get back into golf, so I'll probably have a Xander lineup. So when I say I'm fading him out of this group, it's only that, again, he ranks fourth out of the four. And a lot of that might be people jumping in saying, oh, Xander's the defending champ. We better put him in there. Um, I'll probably have a Xander lineup because I'll probably, heck, I'll probably use darn near everybody if I play 10 lineups with the uh, limited number in the field. But I'm with you. Xander, just a fourth, not necessarily a guy I'm fading. Right, and even back to Justin Thomas, I mean, in the past count 12 months, he's first tee to green, first in approach, first in DraftKings points, opportunities gained, par five strokes gained, birdies are better. So I can see him, you know, he probably, he he might be the most popular just because the stat models are going to love him and the fact that some of Rom's recent events on the Euro Tour don't pop up here in the stats. But, you know, for me, yeah, it's just, Xander's going to kind of be the lost guy here, and we saw what he did last year that final round 61, I think it was, where he just kind of came out of nowhere, and we know that he ha- he likes these big-time events, and I know this isn't a major, but it's still a pretty good field, and he's had success here, so he just kind of falls, you know, he kind of falls in the, he's not, you know, it's only 600 more to JT, and it's 500 less to Dustin Johnson. He just kind of falls in that little in-between range where he probably be the lowest owned, and, you know, it's probably hard to justify using him over those guys, but... I think there's a good case to be had, though, too. Right. now, I'm right there with you. So um, let's take it to the 9K tier. Again, a pretty small field, so a pretty small grouping here. Just four. Patrick Cantlay is 9-8. Ricky Fowler, 9-5. Gary Woodland, 9-3. Patrick Reed, an even 9K. Skeeter, your favorite play out of those four? Um, not a tier that I really love. I mean, I'm fine with them all, but I there's no real play that sticks out to me here. I think there's a couple in the eights I'd rather play. But if I'm picking somebody from here, it's probably going to be Patrick Cantlay. Um, second tee to green, second birdies are better, top five in distance, DraftKings points, par five strokes gain, opportunities gain. So he hits all the metrics and everything statistically that we're looking for in this. 9,800 is probably not a bad discount. I suspect he will get ownership. In fact, he's 300 cheaper than Dustin Johnson, I think, will attract some people. So I'm fine with Cantlay at 9,800. Um, I would rather play for DJ, and I think the way I'm building my lineups, I don't know how much of this 9K tier I get into, but if I'm playing anybody, it would be Cantlay. Well, I'm right there with you. The only thing I might add to what you said about Patrick Cantlay is, and I probably like him a little more than you, so he's also my favorite play, but I may, uh, I may be more inclined to use him more frequently, whereas... You know, if you're setting one lineup, I assume you will in this field. Yeah. You may avoid him. I will use Cantlay a couple times. And just to piggyback off everything else you said, I think uh, Cantlay's still one of the young guys uh, emerging on this PGA Tour. He might be a guy I'm going to have my eyes on when it comes to be major season. Mm. I'm not going to say this is a year Cantlay gets that major. Um, you know, I think a lot of old school golf fans might hope the guy priced just below him, Ricky Fowler, gets his first one. But it's not going to be a shock to me if Cantley comes away with one of the big four this year. I would, you know, if you're asking who do I think is more likely to win a major this year, I'd take Cantley over Fowler. Oh, I would too, absolutely. I may cheer for Fowler more just for sentimental reasons, but I would agree with you. Cantley is the guy I think. Um, he may not be my number one breakout new major winner pick. Uh, I'm not sure if I've solidified that in my brain yet for 2020, but dude, he's on my short list. Actually, who? Okay. 
Who's who wins a major first, Shoffley or Cantley? I think Cantley. I think he's a better player. I go Shoffley just because I think he has got that that extra. I'm going to come get you, and I'm going to win this big Uh, field. With you there, I I don't disagree with that. I mean, we we referred to him as Brooks Light before. Right, like Cantley, I can see winning a FedEx Cup before Xander, but I see Xander winning a. A major before him, but again, we're probably that may be a fair point. Here. Yeah, that may be a fair point. We can't let me be in a little bit more consistent. Um, I would say can't let. I just think uh, I, I kind of think that if he doesn't break through this year, it's coming very soon. But uh, that will be it's probably better discussion for uh, for when we get into late March, early April. But yeah, can't let my favorite play here. Uh, do you have? I know you're not in love with this this four. Do you have a secondary play? I mean. I would love to play Patrick Reed at 9K. He's actually had a decent history here. But I just wonder after that whole, you know, the whole sand moving thing at the Hero and then his caddy getting tossed out of the President's Cup. Like, <laughs> it's just a great story. I mean, if there's anybody It's who's, a terrible story, but it's a great story. Right. If there's anybody who's not going to care enough about it or that would be able to put it by him, it's probably Patrick Reed. But I still think it probably gets to him a little bit. Um so, I, I, as much as I'd like to play him, I don't think I will. I think Gary Woodland will be extremely popular because people will remember how well he played last year at, at the event. The only major winner here. Uh, 9300 is certainly a fair price for him. Uh, fourth in birdies, you're better. Fourth in DraftKings points, 60 to green. So, he kind of hits those types of stats. But I, I think it'll probably be more of an ownership fade for me here with Woodland. I just happen to like, again, some of these guys in the eights and even the upper sevens a little more. So I might, I might, you know, kind of my first build here on a Monday afternoon, and this certainly can change throughout the week, is, is high price guy and then balance. Yeah. I'm, uh, I, I guess you and I probably have this tier in the same group of four because uh, Reed would be my number two. I, I kind of think you said Reed was your number two. I'm not sure if it was Reed or Woodland because you go, gave uh, some love Woodland, to both. I would go Woodland two. Okay, and I would go Reed to Woodland uh, just yeah. behind him. So I think we're fading the same guy, and that's Ricky Fowler. And it's not yeah. that against Ricky Fowler, but I mean he had to he had to get into the uh, Presidents Cup on not even the first uh, captain's pick, right? He was uh, a re- injury replacement for Brooks, and I think there were some people, you know, and I think it would have been a fair discussion. You know, maybe they should have chosen like Brendan Todd, who was you know on fire. If you remember at the end of the fall swing, or yeah. maybe this uh, would be yeah. your time to take Wolf or more more just to get him some experience. So, you know, and I think some even want Kisner, but um, I yeah. really wanted that last uh, putt, which was Saturday night for us and Sunday afternoon for them to uh, to be Ricky Fowler. So Cooch got the. You know, Cooch ended up clinching that, but I was actually hoping Fowler would have a chance to clinch that uh, President's Cup just because it would have been great theater. Um, it didn't happen. The U.S. won. I'm happy about that. But, yeah, uh, Fowler, I don't know. I mean, you can't trust him right now, can you? And he played okay in the President's Cup. He did, but, no, I don't trust him. And, by the way, you know, had Ricky actually made the final half point, you know, clinched the cup, there could have been some jokes about about time that he's clinching something instead of sitting on the uh, sitting on the sidelines watching and congratulating all his friends winning. Um, I wouldn't have gone there as a big Ricky fan, but you're right. He's spent a lot of uh, his career 
congratulating his friends for winning majors. Let's keep in mind he's also finished top five in every one of those yes. majors, Phil. Yeah, like, I mean, he's going to get one at some point. Maybe it's like Phil where it just takes him, you know, into his 30s before he finally gets one, but he will get one at some point. Yeah, we both hope so. So let's uh, let's take it to the 8K tier. Again, not a whole lot of golfers in this field. So the 8K tier, not huge. I think we got six here. Paul Casey at 8-8. Eight, eight. Colin Morikawa at 8-6. Matt Kuchar is at 8-4. Cam Champ, 8-2. The before-mentioned, aforementioned Brennan Todd at 8-1. Joaquin Neiman in even 8K. Um, uh, you said you like this tier, Skeeter. Out of these six, who do you like the best? I'm going with the best player in this in this tier, and in fact, I think he's underpriced. It's Paul Casey, 8,800. Um, okay. Has had a decent history when he's played here before. Or actually, no, I'm sorry, I was wrong line. 16th here last year. But when when I look at the stats, um, third tee to green, third greens in regulation, third in opportunities gained, third par five strokes gained. The putter, of course, can always be a question mark. He's not the furthest driver of the golf ball. But I just when I look at this tier, I think he's the best player in this tier. I think I would, I'd play him over Reed and Fowler right now. I'd probably play him over Woodland. So I think he probably should be 9500 I'm getting a $700 discount on a guy who's ultra-consistent, can score. I you know And by the way, if we're looking at Masters comparisons, let's throw out last year, Paul Casey has played very well at the Masters. So side hill-wise won't bother him. Coming from England, I'm assuming they probably have some over there with those bumps and hills. So... Overall, just, it's just more of an all-around, I think he's underpriced at 8800 I He's almost a lock in my lineup. I'm with you. I just always get Paul Casey wrong. He's one of those guys, when I use him, it's like the one missed cut out of 10. Um, so for me, I'm honestly kind of waffling between two guys. Mm-hmm. I'll start with Brennan Todd. I'll call him my favorite. Yep. He was on fire at the end of the year. I mean, is he in the same class as some of these other golfers? Nah, probably not. But what you saw in October, early November, it, I mean, it, it's not recent form because we've had the layoff and it may backfire, but I'm going to take my chances on the upside at 8,100 of a guy who was winning tournaments left and right. And when he wasn't winning, he was finishing fourth there at the end of the season. So while I know it's a risk because if that form's falling off, he's not as good as Cooch. He's probably not as good as Morikawa, as young as he is. He's not as good as Casey. But I'll take my chances with Todd and call him my fave here. No, no. I, everything you bring up is is perfectly right. And he he probably won't be alone because, again, he's not going to rate in, in long-term stat models. The short-term ones he'll rate very well. So, And people are like, oh, well, he won two in a row. And then he finished, and then, you know, he, he kind of blew up on that Sunday where he, he did three in a row. So, you know what, we're not going to play him. So, and I think and the casual player, the one, the NFL guys aren't going to come here and play Brendan Todd. You know, they don't know who he is. So I think that's completely fair on him. He's definitely in, uh, in consideration for me. If you don't go with your boy Paul Casey or you go multiple players here, who are you going for afterwards in this tier? Well, I mean, you know, there's some bad, you know, I said I'm a Dustin Johnson guy. I'm also a Joaquin Neiman guy. Like, mm-hmm. Like if we're gonna give me a no cut events, he certainly is somebody who can who has shown birdie making ability. Eighth tee to green, seventh in approach, eighth in driving distance, ninth in opportunities gained. So, of course, with him, it's whether or not he can actually make a putt or not. But um, you know, Neiman's kind. Of, you know, I he's won like two or three years down the road. I think gets a major. You know, he's got the win now, so maybe he kind of takes a year to kind of you know 
how does he deal with the, the future group pressure, things like that. But I always like Neiman. It's an upside at 8K. I'm going to take a chance on him, especially when I, we, you know, in a week like this where we just don't know what people's forms are, I'm going to rely on the guys that I've just kind of jumped on the bandwagon for. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Cameron Champ as my secondary play here. Um, it is the tournament of champions, right? And he is a champ, so I don't see how we could fade him here, right? <laughs> but okay, that was bad, bro. Even on a Monday morning, I'm sorry about that. But the but the reality is, Cam Champ can drive the heck out of the ball. You okay. talked about driving distance being a factor here. I'm in a 34 man field. I gotta believe, even though he's young, Morikawa, the name has been around. Golf people are gonna be into him. Matt Kuchar, obviously a huge name in golf. People are gonna be into him. So I'm thinking that ownership, and I'm just guessing here on a Monday morning that ownership on Cam Champ's going to be a little lower. Plus, he can so. drive the ball. I feel like at 8,200, he kind of makes a lot of sense for differentiation and and the fact that if anybody's going to be, you know, crushing drives out there, he's one of them. He is. I, just, I mean, he's number one driving distance, so that narrative certainly works. It's just everything else, like even after the win, 23rd, 33rd, which is not ter- terrible, but – he was just so inconsistent throughout the year that I mean, I I'm he's my least favorite in this tier, okay. but I I see why you're going there. I mean, the distance angle and you know again if you if that's the narrative you want to play by all means that's certainly one that can work. I mean, we, as I said, we've seen the past winners be guys who can drive the ball far. So, so but uh, for me, chance my fade. Uh, okay. Who who who'd your fade be in this tier? I'm going to fade Cooch. Um, you know, rode the hot hand for a while last year. He sort of fell off a little bit towards the end, right? It wasn't as good as when, beginning of the year, it seemed like he was going to get that major. And on top of the fact that he faded a little bit towards the end of the year, I'll also say that he's the most popular name in this tier, certainly in American golf by far. Mm-hmm. So I would assume he's going to gather some ownership at 8,400. So I will fade Matt Coocher. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what – Ownership with Morikawa versus Kuchar. Like I think the 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 casuals will probably lean Kuchar. I think sure. the the hardcore guys will lead Morikawa. Um, you know, I don't know if I'd play either one. Uh, maybe ownership to dictates that. But yeah, Morikawa. Like I I, I want to see like what him and Wolf kind of do. You know, now that they've won, get, have sets. You know. What what are they going to be like? I don't mind e- I don't mind either one. In fact, I'll probably play Matthew Wolf in the seven K tier. Like, I, I don't know if there's a difference between Morikawa and Wolf in my mind. And there's, oh shoot! Hello? Yeah, I'm there with you, buddy. Okay, I'm sorry. I had I had something come up, so um, I thought I was disconnected. Um, I don't have the best internet, but I just you know for me, if I'm going to take one of these youngsters, I'll take the cheaper one, and right now it's Wolf. Sure. Yeah, well, let's get into that 7K tier. Uh, again, small field, so we'll, we'll hit them up real quick. Wolf is the lead in that tier at 7,900. Connors at 78. Kisner, 77. Chez Reeve, 76. Kevin Nas, 75. Poston, 74. Fratelli, 73. Ryan Palmer, 72. Sebastian Munoz, 71. And at the bottom, 7K even is Keith Mitchell. Interesting tier here because these are all winners last year. We start to get some names that maybe don't fit with the guys at the top of the tier. We certainly will in the final tier at 6K. But where are you going in this 7K tier where you have some choices finally? Yeah, 
Um, for me, it's going to be Corey Connors, uh, but I'm going to put an asterisk by this because I'm afraid he might become very, very, very popular because he's the only guy in this that rates out very well long-term stat-wise. First in greens regulation, second opportunities gain, second approach, fourth tee to green. The problem with, with Corey Connors is can he make a putt? I mean, that's always going to be the issue with him. But when you look at upside, especially scoring upside, I think outside of Wolf and Connors, that's kind of the drop-off from here where everybody else yeah, feels really risky. So it's kind of like these two at the top are the high-scoring upside guys. But I'm going to take a chance here on Connors, the fact that his scoring ability alone is what's going to make me his make make him my favorite play in this tier. But I can see myself not ending up on him if he's going to get close to 40% ownership for that reason. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll go with Matthew Wolf, and I'm just going to say, hey, I'm going to go with the guy who I think is probably the most talented that in a couple of years we'll be looking at him more in the 8K, even 9K potentially range of players in this field. So I'm just going to look at a guy I think in the end may be more talented than the rest, and that's the young guy, Matthew Wolf. Mm-hmm. Oop, I'm fine with that too. If you, uh, you you said you like Connors, is is Wolf your number two? Because I know you said you like playing him. Yeah, but I'll, 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 I'll yeah, Wolf would be my number two. But just so we mentioned somebody else, and I did mention him earlier. Um, I probably will always choose the John Deere Classic winner here, as long as not you know, Michael Kim, who is still struggling. But Dylan Fratelli at seventy three hundred was very consistent during the fall swing. Couple top tens, only one missed cut. Had a couple other top twenty fives. Uh, pretty balanced when I look at everything. 12th tee to green, 13th in approach, 12th in par 5 strokes gained. So I'm going to take a chance on him. I still think, you know, long term he still might be one of the better players in this tier. We saw him have some success over in the Euro Tour. Uh, so I think his upside there, and again, I'll just play the John Deere sideways, sideways live narrative here at 7,300. Yeah, I'm not real sure where I'd like to go else in this tier. I think it kind of runs together. Um, I'll give you some Ches Reeby. He had his moments last year. Yeah. I'm not in love with anybody once you get outside of those top two in this tier. But Ches Reeby, 13th at the Hero World Challenge, a small field. You give me a 13th year, if I pay in 76, I'll be happy with it. Again, I'm not in love with any secondary play here, but I'll take Ches. Yeah, I mean, d- driving distance is always a concern there, and he's not great at par fives, but he'll give himself chances. He's good at approach. He'll, he'll, he'll hit every fairway because these are wide, generous fairways too, which is another reason you can bomb it. Like there's, I mean, these are 50, 60, 70-yard fairways at some point, wide fairways at some point. So this just doesn't feel like a Ches Reedy type of setup. Yeah, but at I... 3,600, we're not exactly demanding top five or six out of him. He certainly has top ten potential. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, anybody that stands out is a must-fade out of this tier. I don't think there's anybody that's a must-fade. Again, I mean, if we're talking Reavy as a not a course fit, this also certainly is not a Kevin Kisner course fit. Um, I agree with you. I mean, second putting, but driving distance isn't there, par five stro- strokes gain, and really even the scoring opportunity, the scoring stats, DraftKings points, birdies are better opportunities gain aren't there either, so... For me, it's Kisner. I mean, Kisner or more just because there's not a great course fit. Maybe same with Kevin Na. Yeah, I'm with you. Kisner's my fade. I mean, yeah, he finished seventh at the World Hero or Hero World Challenge, which is better than Guy Chez. I just said I I would turn to. But besides that, going all the way back to the match play tournament, I mean, Kisner was really good there. 
didn't seem like he did a whole lot in the in the in the year since. No, and that's probably why he didn't end up on the President's Cup, even though I know there were some people who thought he should have been the replacement for Kepka. Yeah, so Kisner, my fate here. Um, we ready to take it to the final tier, the 6Ks? Yeah. All right, let's do it. We got Adam Long at 69. So we have Nate Lashley at 68. He's currently listed as out on DraftKings, but we've seen in the past where that's been um, – left over from previous uh, previous tournaments and not wiped out yet. So that remains to be seen. We haven't seen uh, an official word on that. Um, Graham McDowell, 67. Sung Kang, 66. Lanto Griffin, 65. Tyler Duncan, 64. Max Homa, 63. J.B. Holmes, 62. Jim Herman, 61. And at 6K even, Martin Trainer. I'm going to start with you. Who's your favorite play in this tier? Nobody. Um... Well, you gotta you gotta have somebody, and here's the good thing: no cut, baby, no cut. It is. Um, yeah, there's just for me. I'm gonna go Lanto Griffin. Played well in the fall. Won at Houston, I believe, was the tournament he won. Just you know, tenth and part five strokes gain, kind of top half of the field in DraftKings points. That's kind of it for me. Um, there's really nobody else that's really even kind of sticking out, and even then, Lanto is just, you know, 6,500. I mean, he's somebody that if I decide to really go with something goofy like a ROM DJ start, then I use him for, you know, some price savings to try to get some of these other 7K plays, but I Are guess you... I'll just go with the par 5 and the scoring opportunity for Lanto Griffin and the fact that he can he's a pretty good putter, so that can help a little bit, but... For me, just not my favorite tier. He was bad in November, but he was really good before that. And he had moved up into the 8Ks, if I'm not mistaken, even in full fields. Are you a little surprised that he's 65? Um, no, because, again, he's okay. just not going to have that long-term name value. Like, when you look at all these guys from Adam Long to Martin Trainer, these guys are all guys who have won – who, 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 I mean, obviously won in the past year, but have some, you know, weren't the most consistent and, you know, weren't really threatening, you know, a FedEx Cup title or anything like that. Okay. All right. I just, uh, I was a little surprised considering he had moved up to the AKs uh, towards the end of the year, but I'm with you on him. I will, uh, I will definitely be using Griffin, but there's two other guys I'm actually interested in this tier. I'll probably dabble with some others as well. Uh, Max Holm is a good follow on Twitter, so I might oh, just play him God, once yeah. or twice because of that. But I can't say I'm actually feeling him in this one. You know what? Um, you, you know what Max Holm is becoming? He's becoming the golf Gordon Ramsay when people would always send their food dishes to Gordon Ramsay waiting to get roasted. Right, but he's like doing that as a gag. People know it's coming too, right? Uh, oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. So that's what kind of Max Holm is kind of doing, but. Oh, yeah, he's been great. That's a great Twitter follow, by the way. He is. He definitely is. You mentioned Adam Long. Um, I'll go ahead and say he's my favorite play in this tier. You know, it's 6900 It's easy to go with the highest-priced guy. But he's been playing decent enough as well. I mean, he's had a few uh, outside top 30s or whatnot, but he's been inside the top 30 a bunch since the season started as well. So at 6900 I can get behind Adam Long. I don't love it. Like you said, not going to love anything in this tier, but I can get behind him. No, Adam Long makes sense of the fact that he won and then kind of went through the struggles of adjusting to the win and everything. But I know you used him a lot in the fall, and he paid. I mean, he made every cut in the fall. Yeah, he made every cut in the fall yeah. at a second OHL. So he did play some good golf. I mean, I wish we had shot shot link data to know what he was, but 
even the ones that we did, he was gaining on approach. So I certainly get, I understand that. Like if I need a second second guy from this tier, it probably will be him just for the fact that way he has been playing. I'm gonna say my second play. It's risky, Uh-oh. but the guy has distance. Yes, he does. It's Kentuckian baby. Yes. It's JB Holmes. Uh-huh. The meltdown at the open. I'll never forget it. He has not been playing good since. But he's 6,200 in a no-cut event. And if he ends up shooting in the high 70s a couple of times or worse, which is possible, it comes with the risk of a 6,200 golfer. But he's also got the distance. He's won before on tour before just this one, right? So it's not like – I mean, this is a guy who was in the final grouping of the, the uh, Open. Yep. So, I mean, this is a guy who competed with the best in the world – it fell apart. It was a disaster. He shot in the 80s. But I still think he has that upside. I have no idea if his head's right yet, though. Right. I mean, when you look long-term in this tier, it's, it's I mean, it's either him or Graham McDowell. I mean, I'm assuming Graham McDowell's probably the best historical golfer in this tier, but Jimmy oh, Holmes would be second. Yeah. So, no, I certainly think that's a fair chance to take it at 6,200 again. In a no kind of event, there's nothing wrong with taking some chances here. I mean, to play for the win. I mean, if he's able to get a top 15, if this is good J.B. Holmes week, by all means. I mean, he's probably the best best odds at top 15, top 10 in this tier. So, yeah. I don't have a problem with it. Um, anybody else you want to mention or anybody that uh, stands out as an absolute fade for you? No, no. Again, I just don't like this tier. Um so it's not one I will be going to. Um, I guess if you want to play the, you know, if you're going to, sometimes there's the, the correlated lineups. Like if you want to go the all-bomber angle, uh, Martin Trainer is fifth in driving distance in this field. He's 34th in a lot of the tee to green and stuff like that. But Martin Trainer can bomb the ball. So Unfortunately, he's having a lot of trouble making cuts right now. Yeah. Well, and I know this is a no-cut event. Right. I mean, I think if I pick one player to fade, and it's easy enough to pick the guy who's the cheapest, but he hasn't made a cut yet since the uh, since they restart kicked off the season. So I'm with you, and he doesn't get cut. He might be the one guy I would uh, avoid myself, but that could also be the reason to play him because if he gets hot, he's going to be pretty low on too, right? Right. Or if you're going to go for the all putting team, uh, Graham McDowell's number one in this field in putting over the past twelve months. So and by the way, I have not looked to see what is what Bermuda putting is for any of these guys. So I'm just going off generic putting. What if I go the all-geography team? Then I have to play J.B. Holmes and Jim Herman, two local guys who... I don't know if I told you, but I learned that Jim Herman was actually a high school classmate of one of my good friends. Really? I knew he was a Cincinnati guy. I did not know that he actually went to St. Xavier with my buddy Mark. So um, Jim Herman will be in at least... If I set 10 lineups, I promise you Jim Herman will be in one. That doesn't mean it's a good play. It just means it'll be be one of those plays I make. We'll play Holmes. We can play Holmes and Herman together. You can fit in Rom and whatever other 10K guy you want. You might even be able to throw a 9K guy in. Yeah, really. So I will play uh, I will play him in a lineup. Can't necessarily say that it's a smart play. I do like Lanto Griffin and Adam Long as really the smart plays, I think, out of this tier. Yeah, I, th- I, think, that's, I think that's fair. Anything else we want to uh, hit here? I know I'll be getting back in to the one-and-done league. This time I'll be uh, getting in a little earlier, getting in that big one you do with uh, Gup. with Gup's Corner. So I'll be jumping in that. Is there a philosophy in picking a one-and-done out of this tier while saving guys like 
you know, I, do, do you want to use a DJ, a JT, a ROM, guys that you might want to use during the majors? Where, how do you – how I think you want to use a mid- to low-tier guy in this and get the best points you can, probably not pick a winner. I could be wrong. So, by the way, this is not in the one. This is not in the uh, Guff's corner one and done. Uh, oh, okay. But uh, but there are there are leagues out there that will um, use will use this tournament as the start um, of the, of their contest. It's an interesting one. Like I mean, there is a short field. I would assume that this pays over a million plus. Like anytime you can pick a winner, I think it's a good time. Okay. Um, That's fair. I mean. Uh, yeah, do you want to burn Rom here? Where you know he's probably one Rom or JT. I don't know. Like maybe this is a good Gary Woodland. Um, like for me, Paul Casey, I think certainly fits a narrative here. Like I want somebody I think who can top five. So that's why okay. I, I'm not sh- you know picking Dylan Fertelli. I think would be a little too cute here, or even um, Corey Connors would be a little too cute. So. You know, maybe this, you know, maybe maybe like the Woodlands, Casey Reed type of guy. If you think Morikawa Wolf does something, I think that's not a bad one either. But, you know, I'm not sure I'm burning the elites, but maybe that second tier guy I could go with. And as far as bankroll goes, I mean, uh, a smaller field, I'd say there's a bigger chance at, um, I, I don't know how, how I would word this. It's easier to get lucky in a small field than it is in a big field, so I would think you don't want to go overboard with your budget in this tournament. Me personally, I'm gonna play how I almost always do, which is about ten lineups at three dollars. So yeah, uh, that's my yeah. For me, I'm I'm avoiding all the 150 max tournaments this week. Um, I'm, I'm, of course, as you know, I'm a single entry player, so I'll do single entries. I'll do some three entry max, maybe like the three dollar twenty entry max, but. I'll say that I'm not going, yeah, and I'm also not playing a ton because it's a 33-person, 34-person field, a lot of variants. It's like the Tour Championship, a lot of duplicated lineups. So even a good week to leave some salary on the table if you can find it. Yeah. Anything else before we put a wrap on it? I don't think so. Um, As far as Wednesdays this year, the Wednesday update, I don't know how much I'm going to do because I've got myself some bit uh, busy on some Wednesdays all of a sudden coming up this year. So there will probably be something there. Um, it might not be every week, but if there's something major, like somebody withdraws, a big withdrawal on a Tuesday, or, or there's just massive ownership laying on somebody, then I might come on and do that. Um, there will definitely be a Wednesday update this week for the tournament champions since we're doing this a little bit earlier. But for every week, um, some weeks there might be something. I, I'm, my goal is to have something there every week on my fancy fix for the Wednesday update. Some of it might be very in-depth. Some weeks might be, okay, here's a couple of things just because I'm not around or I don't get home until 9.30 at night. So, you know, I know some people aren't reading this at that point. So um, that's just something I'm going to do. But, again, everything else, though, will be up there. I will start doing course ranks with the Sony Open. The favorite plays by Tier will be there. The tournament history file will be there as well. So everything that you saw last year will be there. It's just the Wednesday updates. Some weeks might not be as in-depth as I did Um uh, during other weeks definitely looking forward to the golf season skeeter but yes. football season not quite over yet um do you have anything you want to throw out there as i know we'll be doing uh you know there will be dfs playoff contests there will be uh, a variety of them full weekend one day all that kind of thing um what if anything do we want to keep an eye out on on the football side of things yeah so with with the playoffs i've got to talk to michael and see what we want to do there will be something um 
I don't know if we're going to do a podcast. I don't know if I'm going to do a podcast. I don't know if I'm just going to do write-ups for the for showdown. Like, there will be something. I, it's something, you know, once I kind of get through the, uh, you know, through today as I'm at a high school basketball tournament that's the last day of that, then it's something that I'm going to try to figure out what, what approach we want to do. But there will be something. So check the My Fantasy Fix Twitter account and websites. Um, we will have something up. Um, whether it's if you know if I do it if I write it it'll probably be a showdown it might be a game by game analysis so we will definitely have something I'm um, tuning in on Saturday morning to the uh, Insider Football show uh, when do you, do you know how long you guys are going with Insider Football before it turns over to, to Lou and Insider Baseball I have no idea I would speculate one to three weeks okay I would say one to three weeks is almost a certainty. But I don't know where we're gonna fall in that range. So yeah. So for those of you serious XM, certainly you know if you're playing those football, the playoff contests. I mean, James and Dan will lead you right, almost almost right up to kickoff. Not quite, yeah. but I mean, it'll be one of the last uh, shows on the channel, giving you thoughts and that chance to ask questions to set those showdown and weekend lineups. So certainly listen to them. But you know, as far as the website goes or the podcast goes, there will be something. We'll probably figure this out in the next day or so. Yeah, definitely. So looking forward to another season of golf with you, buddy. And uh, hopefully we can uh, have a bunch of exciting, exciting sweats like I know we did last year. And hopefully it'll be Charlie Hoffman season soon, my friend. (laughs) I'm just hoping I can get to a final round in my DFS contest and not have all my golfers just kind of fade away like they did during the Hero and the uh, RSM, which was an expensive – final round for me for both those tournaments but no looking forward to this james as always and you know let's hope that one of us can contend in guff's big one and done because there's you know that that's a massive payout um it's a 50 dollar entry fee but i first place in a season long i think pays five figures i mean maybe actually maybe that might be different this year because it's only single entry versus three entry in the past but it's really fun to do if you like one and done certainly give that a look um we're not sponsored by them they have their own podcast their own site and stuff but they do a terrific job over at cups corner with the one and done so give that a look yeah no doubt about it hopefully next year we'll be talking about charlie hoffman in this tournament of champions but mm. well that remains to be seen skeeter uh, or, or charlie hoffman green jacket we can find his way into, into augusta oh brother you're getting me all fired up and it's not even 2020 yet I sure hope so. I, I don't think know he's the time. Qualify first, but uh, the, yeah, the time may have passed. I don't know if his good finishes in the past keep him qualified for this year or not. I don't either. We'll, but, uh, uh, you know, he he loves Augusta. He plays well there, so. And I'm with you there. Um, well, Skeeter, I appreciate it. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. If you're getting ready for New Year's, or if you're just uh, getting over New Year's, we appreciate you listening in. We hope you stick with us throughout the course of the golf season. For uh, for Skeeter Robinson, I'm James Adams. This has been the Fantastics My Fantasy Fix DFS Golf Podcast. Happy New Year, everybody.